Everybody, welcome to the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Today is September 27th at time of recording this episode 119 of the Roth Pod. Should be another good one. We've got some football and baseball to get into in this episode before we get into some questions, as we do every single episode. And without any further ado, I am here to introduce my awesome co-host, my great friend, Donnie. Donnie, how are you doing today on this great Tuesday? You know, I'm I'm doing great. Obviously, I was throwing a little curveball a second ago that we'll we'll address later in the later in the episode that uh that is, is threw threw both of us off you a little bit more than me. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get back to that. Other than that, you know, doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, nice little teaser for Donnie. Once we get into our questions uh, a little bit later, but I want to start top of the podcast selfishly with the Philadelphia Eagles because why not? They are three and zero right now in the NFL. They're looking good. They had a very convincing win this weekend against the Washington Commanders. Absolutely dominated this game uh, over their division rival. Offense looked really good in this one, especially Devontae Smith. That was definitely very encouraging to see Jalen Hurts have another strong performance with another one of his receivers. We saw, obviously, A.J. Brown dominate week one against the Lions. Quez Watkins had a deep ball touchdown in week number two. And uh, week three, while we saw some other guys get involved, I think Devontae Smith really kind of stole the show uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, Eagles defensive line was absolutely dominant in this one. They were getting after it uh, when it comes to the pass rush, getting after Carson Wentz. So uh, that obviously felt pretty good, Uh, of course, as a longtime Eagles fan to see the Eagles just absolutely dominate, uh, you know, their former quarterback on the road. Uh, that definitely was uh, an encouraging thing to see. Eagles getting a lot of hype now. Now nationally, uh, the Eagles are definitely getting a lot of love, which is obviously good to see, but high expectations. You got to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't fall into any sort of trap game. They face another familiar face this upcoming weekend with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson coming into Philly. So that should be an interesting matchup for a team that really just kind of took it to the LA Chargers uh, on the road last weekend. So Eagles are definitely looking good. Have to think they are, you know, not only the favorite in the NFC East, but uh, now even kind of looked at as one of the favorites overall in the NFC, which was, uh, you know, not something I necessarily expected just three weeks in. Um, but I was really encouraged with how the birds played this past Sunday. Donnie, any thoughts on the Eagles? Any change of uh, heart in terms of how you feel about them? Uh, kind of big picture or still three weeks in, do you think it's a little bit too early to be thinking, you know, super big uh, for the birds? Uh, definitely too early. I think uh, week one was a good game. Probably, you know, the strongest opponent they've played unfortunately the vikings and the commanders have been bad every single time they've played for the most part um I, the eagles are great the eagles look really good obviously they haven't scored in the second half and like like two two and a half games now two two and a quarter games which is you know when you don't have to score in the second half all you can do is run the ball run the clock out it really works out it's, it's a very very good way to you know i don't know it's a demoralizing reality when you go up really big really early the second quarter i think they had they scored four times i think they got all their points in the, in the second quarter if i'm not mistaken yeah. there um mm-hmm. yeah when you go into when you go into halftime you know you start off the quarter zero zero you're feeling good and you go into halftime 24 zero that's that's demoralizing as hell and then obviously um they kind of just grind the ball up the field very you know methodical offense it's hard to get anything going obviously carson wentz is not very good um when he has to play like a really good defense, you can tell that he's, he's kind of fraud watch. I think Carson Wentz is a pretty solid quarterback, all things considered. Uh, but the Eagles, you know, I think they've definitely benefited off of a, a week schedule as we both, uh, you especially, 
were high on early in the season. You know, they didn't, they don't play anybody really. Like they don't have any real super like high end competition for a couple of weeks. So um, definitely a good time to get going. And it looks like they're rolling. Obviously I was watching, uh, was watching ESPN earlier and it seemed to seem to believe that, you know, they're talking like they're going to win the NFC. Like, you know, this team could win 13 games this year, maybe a little too early to, to put that type of number on things, but like, it, it's definitely been a solid start. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that note that, you know, maybe I'm not necessarily willing to say they are, you know, the favorites in the NFC. Uh, I still think teams like Green Bay and Tampa who played uh, head-to-head this past Sunday are teams that, you know, maybe I, I still think a little bit or at least in that same kind of tier of, uh, you know, top teams overall in the NFC. The Rams as well, I think for sure you have to, you know, give them a shout. But the Eagles have been a good, uh, definitely been encouraging. Uh, as mentioned, you know, nine sacks uh, as, a, as a team in this one uh, for the Eagles. Really good game for Brandon Graham uh, as well, which is always good to see. Longtime Eagle, uh, good to see him have some success in this game uh, for sure. But um, with that, uh, shift over the other NFC East matchup that we saw all four teams uh, facing off in this one. Your New York Giants, Donnie, got the primetime spotlight and had an opportunity to match the Eagles, get to 3-0. and Wasn't necessarily the case that came up short against the Dallas Cowboys in this one. Uh, what did you see overall in this matchup between uh, the Cowboys and the Giants? Yeah, obviously a lot of pass rush. Uh, from the Cowboys pretty much made the difference wasn't even Micah Parsons which is you know the interesting the name that I think uh, you hear constantly the only name you hear whereas Demarcus Lawrence I think he had three three and a half sacks somewhere along those lines um, if you can get three sacks out of another guy that's not Micah Parsons in the game and then you're getting that pressure from Micah Parsons even though he didn't get to the quarterback uh, you're feeling pretty good it's you know obviously the Giants are it's a rebuild year we're not talking about like a 11 win team I think I said six wins six or seven wins early in the season I think I'll probably stick to that um uh, Daniel Jones is probably not going to get it done uh, as an NFL quarterback, at least for, for a team that wants uh, aspires to be a playoff team at some point. Uh, I think Daniel Jones has a long career as a backup somewhere, uh, maybe a lower end quarterback a la Marcus Mariota, something along those lines. Although maybe I think I'd probably rather have Mariota at this point. Um, but yeah, I think that the worst of the worst there, the loss didn't really matter to me. I think the Sterling Shepard injury did matter to me. Uh, it's tough to see a guy that, you know, he hasn't played a full season in four years now. Uh, this will be the fourth season in a row where he will have a, a major injury derail his season. This one knocking him out for the entire year after he had a promising start. Uh, if there's ever a receiver on the Giants who had a promising start, it's Sterling Shepard. And, you know, it's really, it's tough to see a guy like that, regardless of who it is. It's tough to see a guy like that who just can't stay on the field, can't play football, a very talented player who just can't play football. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Sterling Shepard, you know, going to be out for the season. That was really tough to see. I thought you uh, said that pretty well, but uh, tough situation there for Shepard, for sure. Uh, You mentioned Daniel Jones. I I do imagine this will be his last year with the Giants. Obviously, they didn't pick up his uh, option and his contract for next season. So imagine the Giants will just move on from him. Maybe they go after another veteran. Maybe they go after one of the young quarterbacks in the draft. So lots of options for the Giants moving forward. But uh, yeah, this was definitely another kind of typical tough Giants game, maybe a little bit more of what we were expecting, even against a team like Dallas, who was with a backup quarterback themselves with Cooper Rush still out there uh, with Dak Prescott. I think the silver lining, uh, just real quick, Donnie, silver lining, I think is that Saquon Barkley has still been really good. Uh, he had another good game in this one for sure. Uh, not only running the ball, but even out of the backfield as well, had some nice catches in this one. So uh, other than that though, have to agree with your, uh, your takes there on, you know, kind of a tough giants uh, game on Monday night. Yeah. Just a quick shout out to Cooper rush. I kind of forgot to talk about the Cowboys, you know, they, they rushed the quarterback. They got the Daniels a lot, but Cooper rush had a hell of a game managing game. That's all you're looking for out of a guy like that, a backup quarterback, just get the ball to the running backs, let the running backs open up space. You can't, necessarily stack the box in the Cowboys because Cooper Rush did play 
good football. He's making the throws he had to make. So uh, a Giants defense, you know, played really well the first couple of weeks, played really well until the fourth quarter. It happens, you know, shouts to Cooper Rush, though. Like you have to you have to give credit where credit is due to these backup quarterbacks. Yeah, no doubt about that. Did his job uh, indeed. And a lot of that was just getting the ball into the hands of Pollard or Zeke or uh, in this case, CeeDee Lamb had a good game for them receiving too, but uh, did enough to did enough to make plays and uh, get the win in that one. So uh, Giants get their first loss of the season uh, in this contest, but we'll keep bouncing around a couple of other big matchups we saw this past weekend in the NFL. I think for me, definitely one that caught my eye was the Miami Dolphins advancing to three and zero, getting a win at home against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, very close matchup in this one, but I think it's definitely kind of a statement, you know, Tua coming off a five touchdown game didn't have necessarily as dynamic of an offensive performance, but again, we saw Jalen Waddle get involved with some explosive plays and uh, the Dolphins were able to come away uh, with the win despite Josh Allen throwing for two touchdowns and 400 yards uh, overall in the game. So tough loss for the Bills, their first of the season, but I think Miami continues to be one of the early surprises in the NFL advancing to 3-0. Yeah, it's weird when teams that get totally like at least stat sheeted out of the game, like we're talking about Josh Allen threw 63 times, he threw more than the Dolphins had plays offensively. Um, They drove the field multiple times, had these long 12, 13, 14, 16. At one point, I think they had a 21 play drive uh, where they ended up with field goals uh, or missed field goals in in a a pretty weird situation for a Bills team that I think you would rely upon. uh, Special teams being a a very positive aspect of the game, maybe not so much so in this game. And, you know, it's crazy to say, you know, special teams can win you and lose you football games. And and we saw it with the Giants a lot last year. Uh, I've talked about it many times on the podcast. We saw it with the Eagles beating the Giants uh, a couple of times, you know, Jake Elliott field goals and such. Special teams can win you a football game, a close football game, and it didn't win a Buffalo Bills team that I think you would have expected to win that game, the game. It was crazy, honestly. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a big matchup there in the, uh, in the AFC East. Uh, a lot of division matchups that we're highlighting early on, but big win for the Dolphins there, and uh, well said in you in terms of the weird special team situation uh, in that game. But we'll keep bouncing around. Another game that really caught my eye from Sunday was Green Bay going on the road against Tampa Bay, Battle of the Bays, uh, and it goes in favor of the green team. Uh, The Packers coming away with the win against Tampa. And this one, Rodgers, Brady, kind of figured this would be a Sunday night matchup, but it was a late Sunday afternoon window game uh, that Green Bay was able to come away with a two-point win. Uh, I think that definitely could be a game we could look at later in the season and say, wow, uh, maybe Green Bay has that kind of marquee win that could kind of carry them a little bit further. Uh, especially after losing week one uh, so handedly against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think that's got to be a lot of big confidence for Green Bay's defense, especially uh, really slowing down Brady and the Bucks' offense in this one. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Brady doesn't look necessarily right. And I think, you know, he looked a lot better this week than he would, would have expected. Um, you know, prior weeks, he came up and really looked like he was slowed down, you know, against the Packers. He was at least moving the ball. I, I think a real issue that we've seen, I think on both sides, the reason nobody scored is because nobody could run the ball. It was just a, it was, it was a masterclass at the line defensive line for both teams. Um, And we even saw like, it's interesting to me when these like big guys make plays on the goal line, we saw Vita Vea make like a huge uh, fumble. He forced a fumble on the two yard line with a massive hit after he dropped up in coverage. Like you don't really see that very often. That man is massive. Um, So I, yeah, it was more of a stalemate, like a struggle, a very slow game, which is like in the past, would you have ever imagined a Rogers Brady game to have been slow and like pacey and like a little bit like, I don't know, like sluggish even. 
Yeah, it was definitely surprising. I will note, obviously, on Tampa Bay side, Mike Evans not playing in this game. He was suspended for the incident with Marshawn Lattimore. Also, no Julio Jones in this game uh, with a knee injury. So Tampa a little bit more depleted than, uh, you know, they would have liked uh, in terms of some of their top weapons for Brady. Ended up being a lot of Russell Gage uh, in this one, which, you know, a good player, but maybe not the guy you want as your number one receiver. So uh, a little bit shorthanded Tampa Bay. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned that the run game really wasn't too effective for them. Um, you know, outside of Leonard Fournette, they didn't have any anybody uh rush for any positive yards so um yeah tough game for tampa bay at home but uh you know they'll be able to get evans back and hopefully julio jones back in a couple of weeks when he's able to come back from injury yeah it's really weird to see tom brady like slinging the, the ball around the guys that are 20 years younger than him it's just something about it doesn't doesn't seem right like uh th this guy graduated he, he tom brady's been the league and this guy wasn't even born yet like it's nuts yeah Definitely pretty nuts uh, how that played out, but, uh, you know, give credit where credit is due. I thought uh, Green Bay's defense, you know, kind of lived up to the billing. Uh, that's the kind of game where you expect their defense to kind of carry them, and uh, they were able to do just that, uh, you know, hanging on despite not scoring in the second half. So interesting to follow how Green Bay's offense has struggled without Devontae Adams so far. He's got his own struggles over there uh, with the Raiders, who are now 0-3, but uh, interesting to see how uh, both those teams have kind of fared, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks still early on this season but last NFL game I wanted to hit on definitely the biggest surprise for me from the weekend the Kansas City Chiefs falling on the road to the Indianapolis Colts a team who did not look good through two weeks tied the Houston Texans got blown out to the Jacksonville Jaguars and then they come back at home and uh, they're able to have a win to come back against the Kansas City Chiefs so definitely a surprising outcome there but um, you know, I think both of us thought that Casey would be able to win this game pretty easily. Not the case. And the Colts were able to come away uh, with their first win of the season. Yeah, more special teams blunders. Um, obviously, you have a backup kicker. You have a replacement kicker in with Harrison Butker out. You're going to have some issues. Uh, Amendola could not. He was not reliable in the slightest. Uh, he hit from 26 and shanked a couple kicks. You know, really not ideal. Uh, forced Andy Reid to call a fourth and ten fake field goal with Tommy Townsend throwing a pass. Um, never the situation you want to, to have happen a fourth and 10, you kind of hope your guy can hit like a 35 yarder did not end up being kicked uh, sky more with a, a blunder special teams. Again, we talk about these teams that you expect to have special teams uh, work out in their favor as it does with the Chiefs. Often Harrison Butker is about as reliable as possible. You see how much of a difference guys like Harrison Butker can make. Whereas all you hear about the chiefs is like, you know, Patrick Mahomes who ended up leading the team in passing and rushing because they can't run the ball. Um, but maybe Harrison Butker is a little bit more important of a piece to the team that anybody ever talks about. Yeah. I mean, he's been a absolute rock solid kicker for KC and uh, as dynamic of an offense as they have, it is definitely was nice having Bucker. So interesting to see, uh, you know, how they've been able to, you know, not necessarily thrive in that department uh, since he's gotten hurt. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of look ahead, even towards next week too. Kansas city will be on the road to take on Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously two teams we just touched on. Uh, that'll be the Sunday night matchup Mahomes and Brady, uh, obviously a super bowl rematch from a couple of years ago as well. So uh, I think that's kind of the marquee matchup to look ahead for uh, this upcoming weekend chiefs bucks on Sunday night football. So definitely looking forward to that in uh, week four, but that was a week three recap. 
uh, of the NFL season. So I wanted to hit on those uh, for sure to start the podcast. But with that, we can kind of transition now. College football, a couple of notes for us uh, in this department. Got to start with the Clemson-Wake Forest game. I mean, wow, this game was an absolute barn burner. 51-45 and double overtime goes the way of the Clemson Tigers. Uh, absolutely unbelievable game. Uh, it just seemed like everybody was making contested catches on both sides uh, of, of this game. Just ridiculous offensive output. Uh, DJ Uwe Langalole has obviously had some of his ups and downs. Uh, a lot more downs than ups recently for him. But uh, I think this was one of the best games that he has had uh, outside of maybe that Notre Dame game uh, when he just had one start when Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID. But uh, big win for Clemson. You know, really kind of establishing them themselves back after not necessarily an off year last year but offensively it certainly was uh you know to have a big offensive output uh Clemson's offense seems to have a little bit more juice uh again this year and they were able to come up with a big win uh in which was a potential upset on the road against Wake yeah I mean credit to Sam Hartman too who was really grinding the ball up and down the field with with what seemed to be long pass after long pass because they didn't really move the ball on the ground um, in an unredeeming weekend of college football for me, specifically as a Miami fan, after a loss to middle Tennessee state, at least I can go back and, and realize, you know, other games actually happen and we're actually like quality to watch. Like this was a good time. Uh, I think I was, I was sending um, into the chat, like, Hey, if you're not doing anything, if you're bored on a, uh, on just a random afternoon, like this is like the greatest college football game you're going to see all year. Um, and, and it looks like, you know, nobody took me up on that offer, but I'm glad that I got to watch it. And I'm obviously you sat there and I really just an interesting, you don't usually think DJ is going to sling the ball around and DJ really like he proved me wrong a little bit. I thought he sucked, honestly. And he's been like pretty bad for a long portion of his career. So like maybe, you know, proving me wrong. Yeah, he was just kind of throwing it up and his guys were coming down with one-on-one catches. really didn't matter who it was uh, in that Clemson receiving core and they were able to even balance it with a good run game. Uh, Will Shipley has been a really fun player to watch the last two years for him, uh, for the, for Clemson rather, at running back at over 100 yards and score uh, as well in this game. But yeah, you said it. Give credit to Sam Hartman too. Six touchdowns, even had one more through the air than DJ had himself. So uh, that was definitely an interesting game. Really young secondary for Clemson. That was almost kind of painful to watch. Their uh, their defensive backs just continue to get burned and burned left and right. Uh, Nobar Brent Venables, of course, uh, for Clemson, their great defensive coordinator, now the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, but Clemson was able to hang on to that win. But on that note, let's hit on Brent Venables. Oklahoma, they came up short uh, against Kansas State. Uh, we touched on them a little bit last week when our guy Eric Jensen wanted to talk about how they were underrated and right on cue. Uh, they get upset to K-State in an absolutely, you know, stunning fashion. Adrian Martinez had an absolutely unbelievable game. Seems like he's been in college forever. Uh, when I watched him at Nebraska, transfers to Kansas State, but uh, was able to make enough plays, had some solid drives, was moving the ball with both his arm and his legs, uh, and Kansas State was able to uh, come away with an upset uh, of the Oklahoma Sooners. I thought that was definitely an interesting one. And it, what is, I think, a down year for the Big 12, uh, that could kind of be a tough loss for Oklahoma. But in typical OU fashion, uh, they probably will still end up winning the Big 12 Conference and maybe getting a college football playoff berth. Um, but now they'll probably have to win out in order to make that happen. You know, as you mentioned, Eric asked us last week, uh, is this team legitimately being disrespected by being left out of the top four? And then he added, <laughs> they seem damn good to me. Um, that is that is as Eric Jinx as Eric Jinx has ever been and as Eric Jinx as Eric Jinx will ever be. And it's just it's how it's going to be. Um, unfortunately, I didn't want this to be the one that Scotty G because we haven't got a question in a while, like an Oklahoma football question. I was hoping Scotty G was going to come in and say, uh, is this team being disrespected? Like after like maybe week seven or week eight when they weren't in there. But um, 
you know, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be an uphill battle for, for the Sooners, and, and Scotty G was probably very upset this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Uh, great game, as I mentioned, for Adrian Martinez. Five total touchdowns, four of which on the ground. So, uh, OU really could not stop that QB scramble. And, uh, yeah, good good story for Adrian Martinez. I mean, he was knocked very heavily at Nebraska. Uh, and not necessarily, you know, uh, some of it was was definitely his own fault. But just a disastrous situation in Nebraska. Obviously, they moved on from Scott Frost this year. Good for Martinez to find a uh, another home and uh, get kind of a, a big marquee win. And uh, what will probably be his last year in college athletics i think i don't know if there's another way he has another year left but who really knows he may still just show up and be like the perry ellis of college football for the next decade so uh we'll have to see but wanted to touch on that one uh two more games actually that i want to hit on i actually want to hit uh the arkansas texas a&m game because this had one of the most stunning finishes i can ever remember it was an arkansas field goal attempt right at the end of the game they're down two points and this ball hits the top corner of the upright doesn't even hit the upright straight up hits the top corner of the upright and bounces out does not go over i mean just a crushing crushing loss for the arkansas razorbacks and it's not going to get any easier because they welcome in the alabama crimson tide next weekend so tough loss for arkansas against one of their big rivals in texas a&m i have not been very impressed with texas a&m early on this year but they were able to survive and get a win against a ranked opponent but an absolutely unbelievable finish i could not believe that ending uh with that field goal attempt that bounced out off the corner of the upright what a crazy finish donnie yeah, I've actually never seen anything like it. I was a little bit stunned. I saw it tweeted out by like the Fox College Football account or something like that. And, and I had to watch it like three or four times to figure out what yeah. actually happened because I wasn't sure. Like it looked like it hit the top originally. And then I saw the side, the little side view. You just got to be unlucky. Like he, he really did nothing wrong. He put it within the confines he was supposed to put it in. Uh, it, it just somehow some, you know, the football gods, obviously they, they love A&M this year. So make, make sure you're betting on A&M uh, the rest of the season. Cause that's not going to happen. You're never going to see that again. Probably like it's got, it's gotta be tough. That was pretty wild. So yeah, you mentioned it for AM. They lose at home to Appalachian State by a field goal. Uh, they have an ugly win against Miami. They have an ugly win against Arkansas. Uh, they got Mississippi State next week, uh, and then they face Alabama, which you got to imagine that uh, you know Bama gives it to them pretty good uh, in that game. But been an interesting season. Every game, you never know what you're going to get with Texas AM. and uh, and it's not always the most pretty thing. It's usually pretty ugly uh, on that note, too. Uh, just quickly, I wanted to mention that Tennessee got a win against Florida in a ranked matchup. Tennessee moves to Four and zero, which is uh, pretty stunning. I feel like Tennessee has not been relevant uh, in a handful of years. So um, good note for them. But last game I actually want to talk about, it was USC at Oregon State. It was a late night game, classic Pac-12 matchup. I had loved and I've really been enjoying watching USC this year. I just think their offense is so much fun. Of course, led by Lincoln Riley at head coach, but you got so many weapons with Caleb Williams at quarterback and Jordan Addison at receiver, you know, two of the best players in their position in all of college athletics. And uh, it was not pretty uh, for USC. They really struggled in this game. Only had three points through three quarters uh, against Oregon State, who, uh, you know, unranked, but were 3-0, and you know, playing a little bit better football than they played in the past. But when it all came down on the line, last drive, Caleb Williams had an absolute rocket of a throw. He hit Jordan Addison. They were able to score the go-ahead touchdown late. Uh, with just over a minute to go in that game. So I've really been enjoying watching USC. I hope they continue to make a big push. I think it would be awesome to see them, you know, not only win the Pac-12 conference, but even make a little bit of a run in the college football playoff. I think they have a lot of potential and have really, really enjoyed watching USC. I think early on, they've been uh, my favorite team to watch in college football this year. 
Yeah, I don't think you really expected USC to come full defense and play like a really strong defensive game, given the fact that I think a couple of weeks ago in Stanford, they kind of got torched a little bit like they did not. It was not a pretty football game in the slightest. I had a couple of friends talking like, yeah, this USC team is, is crap, obviously uh, coming from Southern California. Pretty much everybody's a USC fan. So I definitely hear all the I hear the chatter. Um, yeah, it's definitely weird to see a USC team that is, as you mentioned, so many offensive stars, so much firepower offensively, just like not play any offensive like almost entirely on the defense. I think they ended up with five picks, maybe four picks, something along those lines. Um, not necessarily all on the Oregon state quarterback, but yeah, it's, you got to win these games. Every game within the conference is going to be tough. Every time you play, even like you could play, you could play idiots and get upset at college football. Um, you know, you'll take them how they come, right? Like a win's a win. Yep. Absolutely. No doubt about that for USC. They will take it any way they can get it. Also a good game on the ground uh, for Travis Dye, the Oregon transfers. So uh, USC next, they'll be uh, back at home for a couple of games. They got Arizona State uh, without Herm Edwards anymore. Uh, so hopefully USC can continue to keep rolling and uh, continue to push because uh, they, their schedule isn't too, too tough. They do go out on the road to face Utah in October. Uh, so we know our guy Eric Jensen will be uh, dialed in for that one, but um, could be a lot of potential for USC. So uh, I'm hoping they continue to provide some exciting football. And they certainly did this weekend uh, hanging on against Oregon State. So uh, fun weekend of college football has come and gone as usual. Uh, a lot of the top dogs, you know, just continue to keep rolling. Uh, the top dog right now is Georgia, literal Bulldogs. But, um, you know, no news has been good news for some of the top teams in college football. Not the case for Oklahoma. Uh, they're kind of one of the first big teams to get upset. Um, in college athletics this year. So wanted to touch on those. That wraps things up for football uh, for this podcast. We'll touch on a couple of baseball notes here before we dive into our questions this episode. I uh, want to talk about Aaron Judge. This guy's probably one of the top stories in all of sports. I think we could have easily started our podcast uh, with Aaron Judge, but we're hitting it here. Still at 60 home runs at time of recording. So he's still one home run away from tying the American League record for home runs in a season, uh, which belongs to Roger Maris. Obviously, if it's two, that would be the all-time AL record. Not the MLB record, so it's still kind of like, eh, it's not like that, that dramatic, but he's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, baseball winding down last couple series of the regular season, but Judge has just been so fun to watch, Donnie. I mean, it's really been a treat to, to see him go out there and continue to mash balls. He's had a great year. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Obviously, we may get some some live podcast call. Uh, Aaron yeah. Judge is up next. It's an O2 count currently on. Uh, I think Aaron Hicks hitting nine spots, so uh, we could see that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely impressive. Um, I I've been known to say that I, I'd rather Shohei Otani solely because he pitches and hits. But I think we have to you have to give a little bit of credit. Like sixty home runs only been done like a handful, uh, a dozen times maybe um, in, in the history of baseball. You know, you got to give a man some credit, obviously, uh, kind of carrying a Yankee team that would probably not be um, in, in the position. They'd probably be like an 85 win team right now. So, you know, if you're adding that type of uh, that type of talent, that type of ability to a lineup that very much needed it, uh, you know, respect to Aaron Judge, obviously, he'll probably break the record. I think you have to you have to think there's like just enough games to where two should be safe, right? 
Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I definitely agree with your point in terms of, you know, what a big impact judges made because there were plenty of times this year where you're like, wow, this Yankees offense is really kind of lacking. You wonder if they have enough hitting depth and judge has just been so consistent this year um, in all aspects, obviously hitting home runs, but he's hitting the ball for contact as well, has a chance to win the American League triple crown. So an absolutely legendary year for judge, but you do bring up an interesting debate there with Shohei Otani. I know you and I kind of do side uh, on the way of the uh, Angels player there just because he's able to impact the game as an effective pitcher uh, as well as add an hitter. But uh, I mean, it's definitely nothing against judge, but uh, it is kind of a fun debate. And I think that it does kind of go back and forth. A lot of our friends who are obviously Yankees fans, they're like, Oh, you got to go with judge. You got to go with judge. And obviously if you, if he does end up winning the triple crown, uh, I don't think that's something you could ignore. I think you would have to give it to him in that case, but it is a really interesting debate because Otani is such a unique player. You really don't see uh, a guy make a, you know, big impact at the plate as well as, you know, throwing 150 innings in ERA under three. Uh, Otani's been so great on the mound, which I think, you know, gives that side of the debate. But, um, you know, I think both of us, we do like Otani, but I think if you go judge triple crown, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he'll end up being the guy who wins the AL MVP. Yeah, I would say so. I think it's impressive. Like, obviously, uh, somebody tweeted that Shohei Otani's season is like Austin Riley and Max Fried put together with what he's been able to do pitching and hitting. Like, I would take Austin Riley, you know, yeah. he's the best hitter on the team. I would, I think that's pretty safe. Him and Acuna, you know, obviously very yeah, it's hard, hard to argue. It's, and is, is Max Fried like not a great, I, what do I know? Obviously, what do I know? I think, you know, just the value that's brought by him being an elite pitcher and elite hitter is something we'll probably never see in our lifetime ever again we haven't seen it before and and baseball's been around a whole it, it's been around for a long time here so yeah you know it's a real we'll see from me obviously i don't think otani is going to i don't think he has any chance uh, i do think that otani deserves the credit for having a historic uh, one of the best years ever in the history of baseball yeah, I think that's well said. And it's been an interesting year of baseball. We've talked a lot about how like, oh, we want these like close playoff chases, races. We haven't really gotten a lot of that, but there are some fun storylines, obviously with Judge Otani. And I even got to say the LA Dodgers as well, just quietly having just one of the best regular seasons we've seen, uh, you know, in a, in a number of years as well. So uh, Dodgers, obviously a, a big story this year too, but um, there is one race that's pretty close, Donnie, in the uh, playoff chase and it's the Mets and the Braves this has kind of been uh the NL East uh, has kind of been our only way of getting a close playoff race. And uh, those two teams will have a three-game series this weekend. Should be a really good test uh, for both these teams and could be even a preview for what we could see uh, in potentially uh, the NLDS as well. Yeah, you know, we're talking about, so currently they're both losing 2-0 to the Braves are playing the Nationals. The Marlins are, are currently beating the Mets. Uh, these are games that if you lose, you don't deserve to win your division. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in these ones. But yeah, I don't know. I, I Usually I feel like baseball is good for two. We're good for two till the very end. And I think you could probably argue the, the NL wild card being close enough to where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe there could be some some fireworks. Maybe we'll talk about that. But it's been boring. Like Aaron Judge, I don't want to hear Yankees fans ever again talk about, we don't get media coverage. They, they don't talk good about the, literally everything on TV, on ESPN, on, on all these is Aaron Judge and the Yankees. And, and the, come on now. Like, I understand they're cutting into Aaron Judge in the middle of college football games. Like, uh, come on. Like, I get it. It's it's great and all, but like, put it in like a small screen on the side instead of like, they, they changed how Michael K's audio in the Clemson game the other day. What's, what, what was that actually? What was that? <laughs> 
It's it's very strange. I honestly like this MLB regular season almost feels like an NBA regular season. It it's does. Like, we're just, like waiting for the playoffs. We know the to- who the top teams are. We know who the superstars are. Like it, it just feels like usually I feel like we get a lot more exciting MLB regular season. But uh, this MLB regular season reminds me more of an NBA regular season. Yeah, it does. It's been really slow, really grindy. Obviously, baseball is just it's horrifically long. It's, it's like, yeah. I, I've been, I've been saying, I just, I can't watch every Dodger game. I don't watch most Dodger games at this point. Why would I, they, they have 106 wins the last 10 games of the season literally don't matter. Like, and there's so many other teams that are kind of the same boat. Like if you're an Astros fan, you're kind of just sitting there like, Oh, nice. Like we, we won it. We won again. Now we're up 20, 22 games on the Mariners who are in right. the wild card. Like, well, come on. It, it's such a grind, obviously in the NBA season, as long as you make the playoffs, like, you're chilling. You're fine. And baseball, it's like we've known who's been going to the playoffs for like three months now. Yeah, it's been a while. And yeah, you, you mentioned the Astros. You're just thinking, man, just don't get hurt. Stay healthy. Let's rest our guys. Uh, you're just trying to, to get to the playoffs in as best shape as you can. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of why the uh, the baseball chatter for us has been what it is. But we're getting closer. It's almost October. Uh, so hopefully we get some of those fun, you know, historic playoff matchups. Uh, hopefully we get some seven game series uh, in either the, the championship series or obviously the World Series, uh, you know, this year, hoping to get that. So with that, though, let's hop into some of our questions for this week. I got two family members asking questions. So shout out to them. We'll start with my dad. He's got a sports question for us. So we'll start there. He says, if you could go to any sporting event in the next 12 months, all expenses paid, which would you choose and why? Donnie, I'll let you share first. So I have to think about this because I'm not sure if any of my teams will be in the, the their respective finals. Um, I would definitely say if the Rangers were in a Stanley Cup game seven, that would be the sporting event that I would choose uh, just above all because I think it would be it would be emotional. If they lost, I'd be very upset, obviously, but uh, I think that's the one event, like the game seven of any any championship. I think that's the one like everybody talks about in terms of like an individual league. Um, I, I do think, however, I would pick the World Cup final because I think that that is a little bit more like you're never going to see that again. They're all around the world. It's very hard. Like this year would be a little different. I'd be in Qatar. Uh, I'm not sure how, how you know, the, the reception is. I, I don't know how I enjoy Qatar. Um, but yeah, I think the World Cup, especially if like, it's a good one like especially if this is this is a, a fun it's gonna be a very weird experience because they're they're gonna be playing at like weird strange like night hours early mornings because it's like 110 degrees there but i think the world cup has to be number one in terms of like the next 12 months it's like the biggest sporting event on the planet like not even close so uh, maybe the world cup final with the rangers game seven or like one of my teams game seven a close second yeah, that's a great choice. Hard to knock the uh, the World Cup. You know, you don't get it every year. And, uh, you know, that gets you to a new country, new experiences. So good choice for you, Donnie. I'm going with it anyways. I'm going with the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I'm always seeking out those, like, new experiences and uh, events I have not been to before. And I've never been to a Stanley Cup final game. I've been to a handful of Stanley Cup playoff games. But I feel like the final is just a little bit different vibe, a little bit different energy. And I kind of like a little uncertainty knowing that the Blackhawks definitely will not be there. So I guess I would get to travel to a new city and, and see a new experience, uh, you know, Know, Are you in New York for the rain? Could be the rain. Well, maybe the Islanders. Who knows? Ah, uh, we have ah. to see. Probably not. Probably not. Could be the Rangers. Definitely could be for sure. So I'm going to the Stanley Cup final uh, in this theoretical uh, all expenses paid sporting event of my choice scenario, which was put forth 
by my father. So good choice there. Uh, I think I'll give a, a, a backup shout out to the Masters. I feel like that's always like a, a very talked about event. Uh, that would be a good experience too. Uh, it would be a fun weekend, but uh, I'm going with the Stanley Cup final since I have not been to one uh, at this point in time. So uh, I like Donnie's answer too with the World Cup. I'm just not as big of a soccer guy. So I'm staying here in, uh, in North America for that one. So good question for my dad. Appreciate that one as always asking us questions. And then here we go. End of the podcast. Designated spot, my sister Kira. She's got probably the most interesting question we've ever been asked in the history of the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Willing to say that right here on the spot in episode 119. Donnie, Kira wants to know if we can make an acrostic poem for the other person's name. This is quite a question here, and I'm going to let you go ahead and share your acrostic poem first. Yeah, so first, RK had some serious issues. We spent 15 minutes sitting in, in, the, in the waiting room, uh, you know, he was trying to come up with with letters uh, we wanted to make it a sentence about the other person you know obviously i came up with uh really youthful and noble uh obviously i think i think rk is a very young spirit he loves to the sky on sunday he literally just drove four hours to see if aaron judge hit a home run like that was literally the only obviously he wanted to see the yankees play in person respect um, but the main reason he was there was to send the bleachers for an aaron judge home run uh, they ended up you know, a six hour uh, you know a six inning, pardon me, an hour, right. hour and change rain delay, I believe. I think it was a pretty long one. Um, you know, it's a grind, but uh, obviously, and, and on the noble side, you know, doesn't really brag about a whole lot. Doesn't, doesn't flex a whole lot. He's very, uh, very laid back, very relaxed. You wouldn't know like anything about him. Cause he, he won't say anything like <laughs> o- overly crazy unless you're like, it's like two in the morning. We, we get, you get deep. But uh, it happens. I, I, would, I would definitely say I also added uh, I had a side one uh, really yaps at Nationals games because once we went to a baseball game and all he did was talk the entire the entire game. And that's something that I'm just going to com- completely remind him about over and over for for many years to come. So uh, it's very yeah. true. And uh, you're not alone on that, Donnie. I've been told by many other people that I need to stop commentating games <laughs> that I'm at. It's just a habit. I just like talking about it. And basically that's my way of, of not being noble and flexing my sports knowledge. Like I'll just share like a random fact about like where someone went to college or like, here's the O2 off-speed pitch, whatever it is. So uh, yeah, that's definitely true. I'll claim both those. Uh, very well thought out. Appreciate that, Donnie. And mine for you, uh, I, I, you know, you gave a little personal touch. So I got I to gotta share a little Donnie personal touch. Donnie, big social media guy, big NHL daily guy, loves posting his highlight clips. So here's what I got for you, Donnie. It's dabbles over the NHL in the new year. So NHL daily three six five every day every year doesn't matter. You're dabbling over the NHL in the new year. So yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to the Twitter account uh, that you run there, NHL daily. It's good stuff. Very dedicated poster of hockey highlights. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to be dabbling in the NHL in the new year. That's my thoughts. Yeah, and you're you're dabbling in acrostic poems for the first time maybe ever. I'm, I'm at this point. First like, time ever. Like Akira has completely thrown you a curveball that you just don't know how to handle. Yeah, I, I was not told there would be any poems in Rody on the Horn, but here we are. It's happened. I, I literally read this like three times. And at first I thought it was a haiku. And the second time I thought it was like an acoustic song. So it took me three <laughs> reads to finally figure out the assignment. And uh, it still took me until last minute. So I feel like I'm a college student again, uh, but I think it worked out well. I'm happy with my choice. I gave Donnie a, a social media shout, uh, which, which is good enough for me. You know, we'll take it. I, I was I was expecting the worst when we were sitting here and he said, uh, looking up a D for kids and, and Lord just started <laughs> over. He was looking it's up. The, on. He wanted to figure out the, the short letter, the small words that he could figure out and throw in. So 
Um, I got to do that when we play Scrabble next too, Donnie. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need some real help with, with that if you can't. <laughs> um, he said he has spent like hours on this. He's been, he was thinking about it all day, like it was on his mind. I, I was sitting there filming hockey practice, and I was like, man, what's the word starts with Y? I, I kept thinking yarn. I was like, I, there's nothing with yarn. I can't do it. So, yarn, yeah. yarn, the only word that you know that starts I with Y. I couldn't do it. I'm glad I at least had some personal touch because otherwise you would have totally dunked on me. So last minute procrastinating worked out in my favor this time, but it's been a good podcast. Shout out to Kira. That was a funny one. Definitely never expected to, to throw it an acrostic poem on this podcast, but here we are in episode 119 doing just that. So I'll pass it over to Donnie. Go, Donnie, go ahead and wrap us up here. Yeah, obviously, Sheck West didn't want to make it a acrostic poem. He was not interested in, in that part of the show. So we're going to have him next week instead. Um, I hope everybody's a great, you know, I hope you enjoyed the listen. I hope you have a great rest of your day, week, whatever, whenever you're listening. Um, feel free to ask us questions. Roth podcast, you know, social media, feel free. We check. I get notifications whenever anybody does anything to the Roth pod Twitter account. So feel free. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate everybody who listens. We'll be back again next week for another episode and we will see you all later. Peace, everybody. Peace.